stand, stay still, keep silent. Mouth opening and closing, speechless at this brilliant moment. Sky tearing apart in your heart. An art of wordlessness opens up before me. The open world lies ahead. Stand. Stay still. Keep silent. Sun brighter than bright, bigger than big, lighting the peaks of the mountains that loom above the road I follow. Heart open to the vastness of it all. Hope. I am becoming infinite. I am becoming bigger than myself, bigger than the sun that I reach for. This feeling, this victorious cry in the void, this freedom bubbling up within is a feeling I cannot live without. Without it, I am not truly living, but only breathing. I reach and reach and reach towards the heavens, towards the brilliant light, even in darkness, I see it shining. Even in storms, I see it flashing violently across the sky. Even in the night, I see it faintly reflecting from the surfaces of a cratered rock floating millions of miles away. Even when hidden under blankets and locked away in a screaming noise-filled pitch black cupboard, I see it flicker at the edge of my vision. It is constant, it is freedom, and it is everywhere around me. Stand, stay still, keep silent. Awe and wonder are my middle names. Thank you, Art. One of my favorite teachers when I was in high school was Miss Hutchinson. She taught the 11th grade advanced placement English class, which was probably the first time I had ever been encouraged to critique what I was reading and to think independently. I still remember some of those books to this day, The Chosen by Chaim Potak and Herman Hesse's book Siddhartha and the readings from the transcendentalists, primarily Henry David Thoreau. When I read his book, Walden Pond, I had a transforming religious experience. It was the first time anyone had helped me see that religion was not to be found in the mundane Sunday morning worship time or in reading the Bible or in Bible studies, but was found in the direct experience of awe and wonder in the world around me. It was deeply liberating to learn that other people shared these moments of transcendent mystery. It was later that same year in 1974 that Alan White, my physics teacher, took me and our class out to the park late one night. He set up telescopes in the dark field, warning us against using flashlights that would ruin our night vision. And as we waited for our turn at the telescope, we lay on our backs, staring into the distant sky as he pointed out red giants and white dwarfs. He taught me the patterns, 
so that I could identify Corona Borealis and Orion and Cassiopeia. I learned of black holes and I learned that Alpha Centauri is the closest star to us and that it still takes 4.3 years for the light from that star to reach my eyes. As I lay back looking into infinity, spreading around me, I was touched by my insignificance and simultaneously by a wonder that I was there at all. These were the experiences that placed me on the path of loving the mystics, Thomas Merton, Rumi, Teresa of Avila, those people found in every faith tradition who understand that religion is not found in the way we think, it's not in our books, our beliefs or rituals, but found when something reaches in and moves our very inner being. Back to Thoreau. Thoreau was one of the transcendentalists, a small group of around 30 people who indelibly shaped the history and religion of this country. Some have labeled them as the spiritual left. Barry Andrews writes this about them. Their thought was wide, has widely influenced American culture. Thoreau's essay on civil disobedience guided the actions of Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., and continues to inspire many of today's social activists. His reverence for and observations of nature helped give rise to the environmental movement and continue to inspire efforts to combat climate change and species extinction. Emerson's insistence in his Divinity School address that religious truth is grounded in personal experience influenced the thinking of William James and other succeeding generations of spiritual seekers. Margaret Fuller's book, Woman in the 19th Century, sparked a feminist movement that continues to have a profound effect on American society. Most, maybe all, of the transcendentalists were Unitarian and many were ministers. Raised in the early 1800s when Unitarianism was a predominant New England establishment faith, these younger Unitarians were rebels who found their churches too authoritarian and the sermons too boring. They were at the center of religious radicalism and social reform. They argued that true religious experience was found through cultivation of the soul. It was those elevated moments of spiritual experience that brought people closer to true religion. And those experiences were primarily found in nature. Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote this, the noblest ministry of nature is to stand as an apparition of God it is the organ through which the universal spirit speaks to the individual and strives to lead back the individual to it. Transcendentalism was a product of its time. It came about during the age of romanticism when art and philosophy were at a peak and it was heavily influenced by the age of reason and came in reaction against this school of thought that promoted dry rational process of knowledge and it came in contrast to the philosophy 
of such people as Immanuel Kant, who argued against personal experience and for objective reality. Instead, Emerson, who's probably the best known of the transcendentalists, asserted that it was through personal experience that we came to deeper knowing. He argued that we all have a double conscious. We lead two lives. One is that materialism that forms our beliefs that we derive from facts and knowledge. And the second is our cognition. It is not simply the knowledge we possess, but what we make of it, the value that knowledge has. This is more than our system of beliefs and practices. It is the way of knowing. And it is the way our mind assigns importance that forms this second consciousness. We know that most of us tend to lead divided, partial, and superficial lives, although we may, not wish, wish, we may wish this was not so. Most of our time is spent in the realm of daily life. In order to function well, we analyze things, we keep things, we keep accounts, and we plan for the future. We focus on this daily life and come to assume our existence is made up of this coping, this getting by. We experience the world piece by piece. The sun, a tree, an animal. Yet deep in our soul of the whole, where we see all these pieces as one shining wholeness. Let me say that again. Yet deep within us is a soul of the whole, where we see all these pieces as one shining wholeness together. We are aware of this during peak experiences, moments when we transcend the everyday life. We unexpectedly see mystery and wonder, and this influences how we choose to live. These momentary revelations carry a great authority. Emerson wrote this. There's a difference between one and another hour of life in their authority and subsequent effect. Our faith comes in these moments, yet there is a depth in those brief moments which constrains us to ascribe more reality to them than to all other experiences. Many of us here are aware that Unitarian Universalists have seven principles that we hold as fundamental for how we live in the world. We base these principles on religious beliefs, and we list six primary sources that underline our faith tradition. And the first of these comes from our transcendentalist heritage, which is why I gave a brief, brief overview of them today. The living tradition we share draws from many sources. And the first is this, as Margaret said earlier, direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures, which moves us to a renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces which create and uphold life. Reverend Kathleen Rollins writes this about our first principle. Moses encountered a burning bush and took off his shoes to honor the sacred ground he stood on. Buddha saw the morning star and attained enlightenment. 
Mohammed rose from his sleep and recorded what he heard Allah telling him to write. Jesus fasted in the desert for 40 days and then returned full of the spirit to preach about the kingdom of God. Each of these holy men pointed towards something larger than their own personal experience of our common existence. We have transcendent experiences of mystery and wonder in music, poetry, and essays in both private and public settings. We have them while sitting in the early morning hours with words that inspire us, or in the silent hush of a congregation in prayer, or through the joyous windings of a spiral dance. These experiences lift us out of ourselves and inspire us toward greater acts of courageous life. We find inspiration in the natural world, in the sly smile of a coyote in our backyard, the persistent unfurling of ferns in the spring, the dappled leaf and loamy smell of soil. We have these experiences and we realize they have no creeds and no no bounds. I invite you to reflect on this. In the coming weeks, spend some time remembering what is it that brings you alive? Recall those moments that have quickened your soul, that have awoken deep yearning and made you a person longing for more, more life, more soul, more wonder. Blessed be my friends.